again and welcome to another episode of the Ominous Origins Podcast with me, Casey. Of course, this episode is still brought to you by the wonderful people over at MorbidlyBeautiful.com. Morbidly Beautiful is your one-stop shop for all things horror content related from interviews, reviews, top 10 lists, podcasts, and everything in between. Now, before we get started, I just want to share one little bit of information with you that I did share in the last episode, but it was at the end. So in case you didn't get that far, you stop before I give you the whole spiel about social media and stuff. I just want to let you know that you can indeed now leave a rating on Spotify. Yes, you can drop a five-star rating on Spotify, and that would help the show grow immensely. So far, 11 people have done it, so thank you to those 11 people. And if you do do that, I will still give you that shout-out as if you left a review on Apple iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever it's called. So just let me know, and you'll still get the shout-out. But now on to today's episode. So, the last couple have been a little bit dreary, not gonna lie. Serial killers, murders, real-life crime, all that sort of stuff. So, I thought we'd go back to the roots of this podcast and start looking at some folklore stuff again. Just for a little while, anyway, and then we'll do some true crime stuff as well. So, today we're gonna have a little bit of fun, and we're gonna talk about a shape-shifting sea creature who lures men, women, and children to the depths of the ocean to kill them. Yep, a lot of fun. This is the Nixie, or the Nakin, or the Nikor, or the Noke, or the Noken, whatever you want to call it. We'll get in to the various names right now. Ominous. Ominous. It is an adjective. Sounds like someone breathing. Ominous. Now the Nixie, or the Nix, or the Nixon, or whatever you want to call it, is basically a European folklore myth thing. Now, it comes from a few different names, mostly Germanic, some English, a little bit of Welsh thrown in there as well, and there's some Slavic and French variants in there. But we're going to mainly look at the European ones from England, Scandinavia, and Germany. So let's just start with England, because it's the shortest, smallest section when it comes to these little fun creatures that like to kill people. Now, while England doesn't exactly call it the Nix or the Nixie or the Nikon or the Nikor or whatever, it does have a few creatures that are very similar. And these include Jenny Greenteeth, the Shelly Coat, the River Hag Peg Powler, and the Bacahast like Bragg. Not to mention the Grindelo at Lemister near Arundel in the English county of West Sussex, there are today said to dwell something called water worms or knuckers in a pool called the Knucker Hole. Yes, the Knucker Hole. You heard that right. I think every high school in the history of the world had a girl by the nickname of Knucker Hole or something similar. You know it. You know it. And if you are a girl and you didn't have somebody at your high school called that, you you were you were that. And they just didn't tell you. Anyway, the great Victorian authority, Walter William Skeet, had plausibly suggested the pool's name of Knucker, which is a name attested from the 1835 Horsefield, and it was likely derived from Old English Nikor, a creature name found in Beowulf. Yet the waters at the pool were badly muddied by a local antiquarian named Samuel Evershed, who, from 1866, tried studiously to connect the pool with dragons, and thus the tale of the St. George and the Dragon, which I covered a long time ago on this podcast, actually. Any authentic water sprite folklore this site may originally have had 
was thus trampled down by Evershed's enthusiastic inclusion of the local people in the ideas about water dragons. Now let's get into the meat and potatoes of this thing, shall we? The Scandinavian Nak or Nok or Nakin or Naki, whatever. These were male water spirits who played enchanted songs on the violin luring women and children to drown in lakes and streams. However, not all of these spirits were necessarily malevolent. Many stories indicate at the very least the Noker were entirely harmless to their audience and attracted not only women and children but men as well to their sweet songs. Stories also exist wherein the Fosigrim agreed to live with a human who had fallen in love with him, but many of these stories ended with the Nock returning to his home, usually a nearby waterfall or babbling brook of some kind. The Noker were said to grow despondent unless they had free regular contact with a water source. I mean, plumbing. Indoor plumbing really solves that problem now, so if these people really wanted to live with these creatures. Hey, you want running water? I got a faucet. Let's make this shit happen. According to many reports, it's very difficult to describe what a Nix or Nixie or Nixon or Knack or Noak or whatever one of the million names of these things are. It's very difficult to describe what they look like, as one of the central attributes was thought to be shape-shifting. Perhaps they did not have any true shape or form. He could show himself as a man playing the violin in the brooks and waterfalls, though he was often imagined as a fair, naked fellow, either wearing very little or some elegant clothes, sometimes nothing, as I said, naked. Which is kind of a shift in the dynamic, usually it's a naked woman nymph sort of thing that lures men. This is a naked man luring women. I guess, you know, Tinder kind of ruined that sort of dynamic between men and women. Anyway, the Nixie could also appear to be treasure or various floating objects or as an animal or most commonly in the form of a brook horse, which I guess is a horse that kind of lingers near brooks. The modern Scandinavian names are derived from Nikar, meaning river horse. Thus, it is likely that the figure of the brook horse preceded the personification of the Nix as the man in the rapids. Fosigrim and derivatives were almost always portrayed as especially beautiful young men whose clothes, or lack thereof, wink wink nudge nudge, varied widely from story to story. The enthralling music of the knock was most dangerous to women and children, especially pregnant women and unbaptized children. Because of course, you have to be baptized or even the river horse will hate you forever. He was thought to be the most attractive during the midsummer's night on Christmas Eve and on Thursdays. Uh, for some reason, Thursdays. Primetime TV night. At least that's what I grew up on. Anywho. However, these superstitions do not necessarily relate to all the visions listed here. Many, if not all of them, developed after the Christianization of the northern countries. As was the case of similar stories of fairies and other entities in other areas. In other words, Christianity bastardized the local legends and folklore to kind of make the locals bend to their will. Oh, you know, if you don't get baptized, this shape-shifting horse is going to eat you. So go get baptized and become part of our church. Haha, <laughs> wink. Yay, team religion. When malicious Nokor attempted to carry off people, they could be defeated by calling their name. And this was believed to, well, cause their death. This would kill them, just knowing their name. That's very demon-y. Usually if you know a demon's name, you have control over it. So maybe the river horse is a form of demon. Another belief is that if a person brought the Nokora treat of three drops of blood, a black animal, and some Scandinavian vodka or wet snuff, I'm not sure what that is, 
and dropped it into the water, he would teach his enchanting form of music to the giver of gifts. The Nok was also an omen for drowning accidents. He would scream at a particular spot in a lake or river, in a way reminiscent of a loon, and on that spot, a fatality would later occur, usually drowning, maybe a murder in that dumped body, but somebody would die in that spot. It was also said to cause drownings, but swimmers could protect themselves against such a fate by throwing a bit of steel into the water. In the later romantic folklore and folklore-inspired stories of the 19th century, the Nock sings about his loneliness and his longing for salvation, which he purportedly never shall receive, as he is not a quote, child of God, here we go with the Christianization of shit again. In a poem by Swedish poet E.J. Stagnelius, a little boy pities the fate of the Nock, and so saves his own life. In the poem, arguably, Stagnelius, most famous, the boy says that the knock will never be a child of God, which brings a tear to his face, as he never plays again in the Silvery Brook. On a similar theme, a 19th century text called the Brothers Fabian's Manuscript by Sebastian Evans has this verse, quote, whereby the marshes boometh the bittern, Nekar the soulless one sits with his gittern, sits inconsolable friendless and foeless, waiting his destiny, Nikar the soulless. In Scandinavian, water lilies are called Nick's roses, and that is a name I cannot pronounce. I'm going to try it though. I'm going to try to give you the translation of what Nick's roses is in uh, Swedish or some sort of Scandinavian language. Nakrosronokrosoror. Yep, that's what you get. That was my literal first attempt, and that's the only attempt I'm going to get at saying this 43-letter-long word. Anyway, a tale from the forest of Tyvden relates that a father promised his daughter to a note who offered him great hauls of fish in a time of need. She refused and stabbed herself to death, staining the water lilies red from that time on. The passage goes as such. At the lake of the Fagatarn, there was once a poor fisherman who had a beautiful daughter. This small lake gave little fish, and the fisherman had difficulties providing for his little family. One day, as the fisherman was fishing in his little dugout of oak, he met the Nokin, who offered him a great catch of fish, on the condition that the fisherman give him his beautiful daughter the day she was 18 years old. The desperate fisherman agreed and promised the Nokin his daughter. The day the girl was 18, she went down to the shore to meet the Nokin. The Nokin gladly asked her to walk down to his watery abode, but the girl took forth a knife and said that he would never have her alive, and stuck the knife into her heart and fell down into the lake, dead. Then her blood colored the water lilies red, and from that day, the water lilies of some of the lakes of the forests are red. The one thing I kind of want to point out there is that they at least waited till she was 18 years old. I mean, even back in the day, and I'm talking like 19th century day, they knew that, you know, you had to be respectful. A woman wasn't a woman until she was of age. At that point, you can give her away to the evil, shape-shifting, water spirit, demon thing. But at least wait till she's 18. Interestingly enough, in Faroese, the word Nyker refers specifically to a supernatural horse described in one Faroese text as thus. The Nykur dwells in water, at the bottom, down in the depths. He has his lair, 
From here he often goes onto land and it is not good to meet him. Sometimes he is like a beautiful little horse which seems to be good and tame, and thus he lures people to draw near to him to pat him and stroke him along his back. But when they come to touch the tail, they become stuck so fast to him, and then he releases no one, but he drags them with him to the bottom of the water. Sometimes he encounters people in human form as a handsome youth to lure young women to himself. He promises them joy and gladness in his hall if they want to go back with him, but if they get a suspicion of who he is when they are giving themselves away, such that they can call him by his true name, Nykur, then he loses the power over them and must release them and go along into his waters. It is said that the Nykur can equally change itself into the form of all quadrupedal animals, except that he does not know how to create the horn points of a ram or a male lamb upon himself, which is very specific. But when he hasn't changed his form, he's like a horse, and it has come about that people gain power over him by carving a cross into his back, and then they have been able to have him drag great stones by his tail down from the mountain to homesteads for houses. Some are still seen in Husavik in Sandoy, and on Ioi in Esturi. I do apologize once again if I butcher those town names. So sorry. It's said that the big rocks that are gathered together there bear witness to just how strong Nikor is. At Takmiri in Sandoy lies one huge rock which they wanted to have him draw to Husavik, but sadly his tail broke, and the stone remains where his tail fell apart. It is said that the tail of Nikor, which is still attached to the stone, is visible on it still. The equivalent term in continental Scandinavian languages is Bacahast, or Brook Horse. It has a close parallel in the Scottish Kelpie and the Welsh Oof. Here's another fun word I'm going to try to say. Sifeldur. I totally, totally butchered that. Welsh is one of those languages where they have the same alphabet as English, but the letters don't mean the same things. Not all the time, anyway. Anywho, the Bacahest was often described as a majestic white horse that would appear near rivers, particularly during foggy weather. Anyone who climbed onto his back would not be able to get off again. The horse would then jump into the river, drowning the rider. The brook horse could also be harnessed and made to plow, either because it was trying to trick a person or because the person had tricked the horse into it. The following tale is a good illustration of the brook horse. A long time ago, there was a girl who was not only pretty, but also big and strong. I guess a uh, Gina Carano type, if you're into that sort of thing. She's pretty, she's big, she's strong. What else could you want? Anywho, this particular big and strong pretty girl worked as a maid on a farm by Lake Yartisen in South Nerki. She was plowing with the farm's horse on one of the fields by the lake. It was springtime and the weather was beautiful. The birds chirped and the wagtails fitted in their tracks of the girl and the horse in order to pick worms. All of a sudden, a horse appeared out of the lake, which must have been a very strange sight. It was big and beautiful, bright in color, with large spots on its side. The horse had a beautiful mane which fluttered in the wind and a tail that trailed on the ground. The horse pranced for the girl to show her how beautiful he was. The girl, however, knew that it was the brook horse and ignored it. 
The brook horse came closer and closer and finally he was so close that he could bite the farm horse in the mane. The girl hit the brook horse with the bridle and cried, Disappear you scoundrel! You'll never have to plow so you'll never forget it. I, that was some mix of Italian and Russian. Anyway, as soon as she had said this, the brook horse had changed places with the farm horse and the brook horse started plowing the field with such speed that the soil and stones whirled in its wake and the girl hung like a mitten from the plow. Faster, the cock crows seven times. The plowing was finished and the brook horse headed for the lake, dragging both the plow and the girl. But the girl had a piece of steel in her pocket for some reason and she made the sign of the cross again at Christianity. Immediately she fell down on the ground and she saw the brook horse disappear into the lake with the plow. She heard a frustrated neighing when the brook horse understood that his trick had failed. Until this day, a deep track can still be seen in the field. Like a lot of foibles, this little one can be attributed to coincidence. She happened to have a piece of steel in her pocket because why not? And she knew to make the sign of a cross because her Christian overlords told her that crosses eliminate all evil in the world. So, yeah, just one of those little things that, you know, you gotta mention from time to time when you read these very old stories. Nonetheless, the stories continue, and this time we move over to Germany with the German Nix or Nixie. And these are type of mermen and mermaids who lure men to drown. And they're just like the Scandinavian types, and they're akin to the Celtic Melusian, and similar to the Greek Siren. Most people are familiar with the Siren. A German epic mentions the Nix in connection with the Danube as early as 1180 to 1210. Nixes in folklore became water sprites, who try to lure people into the water. The males can assume many different shapes, including that of a human, fish, and snake. The female bears the tail of a fish. When they are in human form, they can be recognized by the wet hem of their clothes. The Nixes are portrayed as malicious in some stories, but harmless and friendly in others. By the 19th century, Jacob Grimm mentions the Nixie to be among the water sprites who love music, song, and dancing, and says, quote, Like the sirens, the Nixie by her song draws listening youth to herself and then into the deep. According to Grimm, they can appear human, but have the barest hint of animal features. The Nix had a slit ear, and the Nixie a wet skirt. Grimm thinks these could symbolize that they are higher beings who could shapeshift into animal form. One famous Nix of recent German folklore, deriving from 19th century literature, was Lorelei. According to the legend, she sat on the rock at the Rhine, which now bears her name, and lured fishermen and boatmen to the dangers of the reef with the sound of her voice. In Switzerland, there is a legend of a sea maid, or Nix, that lived in Lake Zug. The Yellow Fairy Book by Andrew Lang includes a story called the Nixie of the Mill Pond, in which a malevolent spirit that lives in a mill pond strikes a deal with the miller that she will restore his wealth in exchange for his son. The story is taken from Grimm's fairy tales, and also bears resemblance to the other one we just mentioned in Scandinavian folklore, about the fisherman giving up his daughter. Now that pretty much brings us to the end of the Nixie here. Very interesting. Water spirits, sirens, banshees, anything that really uses its voice or its sound, its music, to call you and drag you into the depths 
to drown you and kill you or eat you or have sex with you, whatever the case might be. They're all very interesting. They're all very similar. And it does stem from a thing of loneliness, right? Uh, a lot of these sailors or lighthouse workers were lonely. They didn't have their wives or lovers with them when they're out on the sea. So then they hear these voices on the wind. They're in the storm. The weather's terrible. And so they hear a, a whisper, a faint hint of something in the wind. And well, what are you going to do? You're lonely. You hear a beautiful voice. You maybe see a silhouette of a sexy naked woman on a rock in the distance. What harm could it do to go check it out? So you do. And you never come back. The moral of these stories are not super hidden. There's no subtext to really dive into here other than loneliness is a bitch and that giving away your kids for food is not the answer. But like I said, that's going to do it for us today. I hope you liked this episode. If you did, please feel free to give us a little review on Apple iTunes or podcasts or wherever. Any five-star reviews will be read out on the show, so it's a great way to get a shout-out. Also, you can leave a little five-star rating on Spotify now, so please go ahead and do that. It takes literally two seconds. If you don't usually listen on Spotify, you can always find us on Spotify. It's Ominous Origins, obviously. You're listening right now. So if you don't listen on Spotify, all you gotta do is listen to like 30 seconds of an episode, and then you can indeed hit that little button that five-star rating. And again, if you did do that, absolutely let me know. And you can do that by finding me on social media, on Instagram at Ominous Origins Pod. And I've been posting a lot more on there lately too, so go check that out. On Twitter at Horror Shots Prod is in production or on Facebook at Horror Shots. So until next time.